Good morning. Greet each one in Christ's precious name this morning. Thank you for coming and worshiping with us. If you're visiting, welcome. We're glad that you're here as well. I, uh, that last song, Elliot, just really uh, is powerful. thought I would just look again at the, what we sang. Those, um, Be still and know that I am God. The second verse, I am the Lord who healeth thee. All power and might are found in me. I am the Lord who healeth thee. And then we responded, therefore will I rejoice and sing beneath the shadow of thy wing. Thou art my Lord, my God, my King. Just, wow. As we sang that, I thought, wow, that is, that is why we come Sunday morning to worship, is because he is our God and our King. Amen. I want to welcome the youth this morning. This is a youth Sunday. And uh, so this is slightly geared towards you, but when we, whenever we get into God's Word, it, it's applicable to us all across the board. So I hesitate sometimes to just call it a youth Sunday because it's not just for youth, it's for all of us. And this, as I was studying today, over the last several days, this morning, I just felt this message was for me as well. Um, so anyway, we're glad that the youth are here. Those of you that are in these front benches, we're grateful. One of the disciplines or one of the things that your parents, is a gift from your parents is to know that on Sunday morning we go to church to worship. It's the Lord's Day, and that's what we do. And you might ask, well, what, what if I don't get anything out of it? What if I, I just don't get anything out of it? And that's something that, as we were singing that last song I was thinking about, I had actually put in my notes, well, what if we don't get anything out of it? And um, when we come to the Lord's house, and we are before him, humbly before him. He is the Lord that heals us, not only physically, but spiritually. Then it's not so much that we come to get something from church, but that we worship. And that's what we want to do this morning. That's what we do when we sing. We're, we're honoring God for who he is. He is, it's like Moses at the burning bush when he said, God told him, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. And maybe this is not holy ground around us here, but we're in the presence of God by His Holy Spirit. He is here, and when we worship and we sing, we're singing to Him, and we're honoring Him. You can do that at home. You can do it alone at home. You can do it out in the woods. You can do it anywhere. But when you come here, we're a, we're a body. We're the bride of Christ, and we're worshiping together. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about our youth this morning, but it's about God our Father who loves us. It's about Jesus Christ, His Son, who died for us, and about the Holy Spirit who guides us yet today. We are not alone. They are three in one. And we're grateful this morning that you're all here. Let's, let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, we, we do come and we honor you. We, we come 
with bowed heads because you are worthy. It is, it is you that healeth our souls. Our brokenness is healed because of you. It's your great love that provided the way. Nothing that we can do can merit what you have done, and yet you did it willingly and lovingly and so completely, and we are so grateful this morning. Would you take the words that I speak, the words that we look in Scripture, and would you somehow stir within us a new realization of the privilege of serving a living God? That as a youth, our youth might realize they have the privilege of starting early in their lives, serving you, that you will use them, you will, you will prosper them, you will, you will make them a city upon a hill if they commit themselves to you. That is our desire this morning. Would you meet us here by your Holy Spirit? Would you fill this place? Move us, change us, Lord, into the image of your Son. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. Society is pursuing happiness all the time. You see it wherever you go. Whatever, whatever they do, they do it for their own pleasures. Uh, matter of fact, they, you, hear the, you hear the phrase, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We defend that. It's in our Bill of Rights. And whatever that takes, whatever pursuing that happiness is, people are about that all the time. They... Uh, they spend their money, they spend their time in pursuit of that happiness. And when they could turn to God, they could open their Bibles to Matthew 5 when it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy, extremely blessed are the poor in spirit. That would not make any sense to them. But that's what the Scripture says. In their pursuit of happiness, they miss the ultimate way of be become, being happy. Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. And they miss all of that. This morning is not, my message is not on the Beatitudes. But that blessed that we read there is extremely blessed. The Greek word means extremely blessed, fortunate, blessed, and happy. That's what everybody's looking for. And they're missing it by searching for it every other place except for before God. I do have another blessed that I'd like to, to talk about this morning, and that is found in Psalm 1. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 1, please. The scripture here says, Blessed is the man or the woman. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. We're going to have that on the screen as well. This is a scripture I'd like to talk about this morning, youth and church. I don't know if I can do it justice. But God, if God would just somehow stir within us the promises that we read here, it's powerful. Let's read Psalm 1. Actually, hang on. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm looking at my notes. Not getting, I'm not even turning it to it in my Bible here.
Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of, the, of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and, his, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We're going to focus mostly on the first three verses this morning as we think about what does it mean to... Um, to be this blessed person that is delighting in God's law. I'm going to have three points, and those points are to be fruitful, his leaf does not wither, and he is prosperous. Do we want to be a blessed person? Youth, would you want to be blessed? I think we all would say, we, yes, of course I would want to be blessed. And God and the psalmist here found the the beginning of this book of, of, of uh, psalms, of, of poetry, that he has this instruction for us on how we can be blessed. If you desire to be this, this, this blessed individual, then there are things that it says that we should do here and things that we should not do. The living, the, I think it's the New Living Translation, says it this way, Oh, the joy of those who do not follow after the advice of the wicked. Oh, the joy of those people. That's the blessedness. It brings a joy. And life, we look through it with different colored lenses when we have that joy. And life looks so much more clear and pure. And we're not clouded by the heaviness a following after wickedness. On this word, uh, blessed, if you're like me, sometimes I can get a little bit melancholy and I think, yeah, well, life is hard. And uh, a lot of other people, they're blessed, but me, I struggle for everything that comes my way. And... Um, it comes easy for the others. But what is blessed anyway? What, it, it almost When we start thinking like that, it's something that I, maybe I need to generate. What does it look like? And, um, and I hesitate. I, I thought as I was writing this out, I hesitate to use the word happy because it doesn't seem like happy and you know, holiness and godliness would go together. But that is part of the definition is that there's a... Maybe we call it joy, but there's a person that is happy. Is it possible to even be happy as a devout Christian? Well, I think it is. The, the, the Hebrew word, and I, I, was, I didn't put it on my PowerPoint, but it's esher is the, is the Hebrew word. And uh, it is translated blessed here, but in different places in the Scripture, it's, it is also um, it is 
translated happy. In, in another psalm, Psalm 144, 15, it says, Happy is that people that in such a case, yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Blessed are those people. Happy are those people. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, Proverbs 3. So this, this word blessed is the man that walketh not... That man is not just extremely blessed. He is, there is a joy, a happiness that follows after him. For us parents, where the scripture where it says that um, uh, children are heritage of the Lord, happy is the man that has his quiver full of them, or is it blessed? I forget now. That, that same word, is the, that's the same word that's used there. There can be joy, blessedness, happiness in serving the Lord that you can't find anywhere else. And part of that comes when we read here that th- this man that does not follow after the, the wickedness, but he his delight is in the law of the Lord. And it says, He shall be like a tree planted by the waters, the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. I'd like to focus on that a little bit this morning. God wants us to be fruitful. What does that look like? What, is, what does that mean? We love being around fruitful people. They're naturally an, an, an encourager. And... Um, Maybe you've seen people that you don't even know the person, but you just see them and the, the, their countenance and the, maybe the smile on their face. You just would want to know more about them. They seem like, well, they, that person seems really nice. There's an expression of peace and confidence in them. That's the fruit. That's what you're seeing. And who has that fruit? It's a person that is delighting in God's Word. He delighteth in the law of the Lord, and he shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water and brings forth his fruit. I know that when you, uh, if you have fruit trees, and Kendall has fruit trees, and there's probably others of you that have fruit trees, L roses. My neighbor has fruit trees, and, and uh, they apple trees, and they prune those things low. So it feels like when, when you go out there, and sometimes you have to prop up the branches and you go out there and the fruit is just right there. It's within arm's reach. It's not like a big tall oak tree or a maple tree that you have to climb way to the top for the fruit. But it's right there. Good fruit. And a person that is fruitful, is that fruit is just there. It's coming out of them. There's, there's a smile on their face. They have a kind disposition. They're available. And you feel safe and comfortable around them. That's, that's a person that is a fruitful person. It's an encouragement to be there with them. There is love, joy, peace. The fruits of the Spirit are evident in their lives. But is it more than that? You can tell that God is in a work in their life. Someone has said that if you, if you scratch a person like this, they ooze Bible. Because they're so full of God. God has done a work in their life. What type of person am I? What type of person are you, youth? That's the kind of person that God wants us to be. And sometimes we don't see ourselves as that kind of person, a godly person that is so fruitful. 
But you know what? God wants every one of us. 150 people here this morning. He wants every one of us to be that kind of fruitful person. And it's available to us if we do what he calls for us in his word. He says, his delight, this person, his delight is in his law. In, in God's word, we, we fill ourselves with God's word and he will make us fruitful like a tree beside the, the rivers of water. We meditate on God's word. It becomes a, the scriptures become a part of our lives. And God begins working, making us that type of person. That type of person that is fruitful. That's blessed. That's where it starts. We have, to, we have to meditate. And if we're going to meditate, then we have to read. You can't meditate on what you don't have or what you don't know. If we're going to meditate on God's Word, then we have to know God's Word. Open your Bibles, youth, and read. Then you can start meditating. And then God can grow that fruit within us. Turn off the podcasts. Turn off the blogs. Don't even think to turn on Netflix. But read your Bible. You want to be a blessed person? You want to be prosperous and fruitful? That's what the Scripture says. God will make you that kind of person. Pick up your Bible and read it. There are things that happen in your life and in my life that cause us stress. And maybe we become anxious and depressed. And, and God wants to move us from those places to a place of delight, he says. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And that vehicle that gets us from down to up is God's word. That's what, that's what takes us to joy and delight doesn't seem possible, does it? Just reading God's Word, how, how could that... Well, if you've never been there, it seems like I'm selling you a dream, but it's not. It's truth. It's God's Word, and it works. And I looked, as I was studying, I thought, you know what? I'm failing here. I need to do more of this because it's true. We've talked often as pastors that, well, you know, the times when we're studying, that's when it seems fresh and real. And it's the times when we relax a little bit that oh, all the stresses come in. If we delight in anything other than God's Word, then our fruit begins to get a blemish. I brought an apple with me this morning. And this apple is somewhat sad. As you can see, he has a, a blemish. And uh, that's... that's an example of a person that he's a Christian, but he's, he's giving a lot of his time, too much of his time, to something other than the Scripture and God and praying and, and doing what's right becomes blemished. Our fruit is, is blemished. It's because our time and our energy that belongs to God is misappropriated and sent somewhere else. And depending how deep you go into this foreign delight of caring for something other than what we should be caring for. We start down the path of verse 1 in Psalm 1 here. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So we start listening to the counsel, the words. We listen to him. Ah, hmm, kind of appealing there, you know. 
you've got to stand for your own rights. And you just go down the list of whatever counsel they may give. We start listening to that, and all of a sudden there's a scab on our fruit. Maybe there's a little bit of a rotten corner there. Eventually you go to the places where they tell you to go. You're going in the way. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way. You're, kind of, you're checking it out. You know what? I'm going I'm to check it out. You're not only considering their advice, you start practicing their advice and interacting with them on their turf. And now the apple has a, a worm in it and it's getting pretty bad. And if you don't check the, process, the progress out, if you don't stop the, the process of, of that downward slide, eventually, eventually, you lounge in their ways. You sit in the seat of the scornful and you lounge there. You sit and by implication you join in their scorning. And then the fruit gets really bad. Matter of fact, it's uh, what we would call rotten. And not only is it not good to eat, it looks pretty bad. And now there's where you're at. You're sitting, not only sitting there, you're not only listening to their counsel, but you're absorbing what they're saying. And not only that, you're doing it and you're actively involved. And you are beyond use in God's kingdom. What a sad, sad commentary. But the psalmist presents us with opposing views here. That's one way you could go, but there is another way. And that's what we're talking about this morning. If you want to be fruitful, you need to choose this. If you don't desire truth, then you're on that slippery slope that begins to cause the fruit in you to be blemished and then rotten. Oh, I don't want to be that. No, I don't want to be like that. It's time we make real choices then. If we don't want to end up here, Maybe we reckon, oh, I'm kind of like this. Maybe, I don't want to go there. Then we need to make choices. It says in, in John 17, this was Jesus praying for his disciples. He said, I pray not that you would take them out of the world, but thou should keep us them, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Jesus knew that we were, we we're going to be in the world. It's all around us. The thing that would cause us to become decayed and rotten is all around us. And he wants to protect us from that. In the world, but not of the world. The counsel, the way, the seat, that's all around us in the world. The opportunity to dip into that debauchery is ever present around us. It's a fallen world. It's evil all around us. And, and that is the evil that Jesus wants to keep them from. Keep them from the evil. They're in the world, but keep them from the evil. I just picked out a couple dates. 
But watch the progress. Even in our own society, in our own country, 1962, prayer was taken out of the public schools. 1962. Some of, many of us weren't even born at that time yet. Prayer taken out. By 2004, Massachusetts became the first state to legalize same-sex marriage. And now we're in 2023. And they are, they are trying pushing to pass legislation in schools to teach school children all about these perversions and telling them they can choose their own gender. They don't, all the lies that they tell them, we have came a long ways and we're on that slippery slope that's, that's, that we should consider. We see it in, in, in Romans 1. We see that slippery slope. When they knew God and they glorified Him not as God, Romans 1 says, and, and then he gave them over to vain imaginations and, and their hearts were darkened. They became like fools, it says. God gave them, gave them over to uncleanness. They changed the truth of God into a lie. The truth of God into a lie. We see that happening around us all the time. And then God gave them over to vile affections and eventually he gave them over to a reprobate mind. That's the slide. These are the people that want to entertain us. And if we aren't careful, if we aren't careful young people, we all of a sudden take the things that they tell us and we compare it to get, and put it in the balance with, with God's word. And we say, okay, which one am I gonna which one am I gonna believe? Which one am I gonna delight in? Am I gonna delight in God's word or am I gonna delight in something else? Is it really a big deal? I think it is. I think it is. It determines the way we think, the path that we're on. And ultimately, it shows up in my fruit, and it starts out small, but eventually it leads me to something else. In Psalms, we see we have a man delighting in God's law, in God's word. In Romans, it talks about the spiral from knowing God to becoming a reprobate having a reprobate mind, no place of return. We, don't even, we can't even think right anymore. I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't want to beat this horse to death, but I want to read one more verse. Thinking about what we're delighting in. That's, that's what my point. If we want to be a fruitful person, we need to know, we need to delight in God's Word. If we're not delighting in that, what are we delighting in? Psalms says that we should delight in God's Word. But look at with, with me. At, I just find this interesting. This is when you, when you look at God's Word, it's interesting. Romans was written in, in AD 57, 2,000 years ago approximately. And this is what Romans said there. Who knowing the judgment of God, this is at the end when they're, they're reprobate minds. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only, not only do the same, but this is talking about not only the ones that do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. It makes a difference what we're delighting in. It does make a difference. If, it, if we pleasure in the things like that, like that downward spiral, oh, I'm, I don't do those things. I would never do that. But I take pleasure in them. That's the opposite of delighting in God's Word. 
It's directly the opposite. Now we can see how important it is. What, what brings me pleasure is important. What do I delight in? The man delighting in God's Word is fruitful. He brings fruit that is a pleasant to be around. They're solid. They give good spiritual advice. They're fruitful. And their leaf does not wither. The hot, dry winds blow. There is drought all around everywhere. And the leaves are withering, but not yours. Not if you're delighting in God's Word. Well, how can that be? Persecution, hard times, discouragement, false accusations, but still your leaves don't wither. Why? Is it because we Christians are somehow protected from, from all the bad things that could happen? No. Actually, sometimes it actually gets worse. The leaves are not withering because your roots are deep down, and they're getting over to that water source, the river. If you're in God's Word, you're, you're meditating, you're in the river, and your leaves that things that people see, the fruit is prospering because you're in God's Word. It's not a punishment to come to church and mingling with God's people. You, de you desire it. You want it. You don't find excuses to skip youth events or Wednesday evening church because your root is down where it belongs. They say that a tree... As much of a tree as you see on the top is as much as the roots are down below. I've, I've heard that. I, I imagine it to be true. That's kind of a picture of what that might look like. And an artist drew it like this. So you can see the roots are way down, and that's what's keeping your leaves from withering. You damage those roots. A little bit of poison. A little bit of rottenness and now that root's not sending the moisture up anymore and if you do it enough times eventually your leaves will wither we had a tree in our backyard when we lived in nicaragua of course we were renting so this tree was a was an orange tree it was a sour orange it's not one that you would eat but you could make juice out of it and our the the landlady was a couple houses down from us and she would come over unannounced sometimes, and check on her tree, harvest some of the oranges. and Well, the tree wasn't doing very good. I, I don't know. It, it, the leaves were withering. And uh, so she had me watering it, and uh, she had a guy come, and he piled dirt around it and, and uh, fertilized it. I don't know what he, all he did, but she, uh, we had a rabbit that was running around our yard. We, we, our yard was just a, a fenced-in, like a courtyard, and it was in there. It was inside of our house, but it was outside. It was open to the open air. And she blamed it on that rabbit. She said, that rat, it's eating my tree. <laughs> well, it wasn't the rat, rabbit. I, we know that. And she called it a rat, which didn't make us very happy either. But So eventually that tree died. And she sent the guy over to chop it down. And as he chopped it down, he had just used a machete. He was whacking around on that thing. And finally, he just gave it one big old push. And the thing broke off. Right? 
the roots had all been eaten away. The roots that kept life to it, there was nothing left down there. And that's why it died. The bugs had gotten to it. It's important that our roots are tapped into the river, and that river is God's word. He's like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His leaf will not wither. And he is prosperous. This man that's, that, that's in God's word, he's prosperous. Prosper in, prosperous in what way? Maybe, maybe, God, maybe walking with God spares us from falling into some of the traps. Maybe, maybe I don't get arrested for stealing or drunk driving because, well, I, I just don't do those kinds of things. Yeah, but that's not really the prosperous that he's talking about. Our businesses might do well. But is that what he means by prosper? All that he doeth prospers. I don't think so. Psalm, Psalm 19, uh, excuse me, 3419 says this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. We can't say that, okay, I, I'll be a Christian, that way I can prosper. That doesn't work. That's not what he's talking about. The disciples, the apostles, suffered greatly for the kingdom. Did they prosper? We've determined in our own minds what a successful, prosperous person would be like. The world, the advertisements that we see, make us believe the lie of what prosperity should look like, what success should look like. And I'm convinced that we ought to want and love the things that the world doesn't even care about. We want health. We want financial stability. That's, that's human nature. But when it says, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, maybe there's more to prospering than, than what the world wants and sees. My business is successful, so I must be prospering. My, my marriage is successful, I'm prospering. My children are finding their way and I'm healthy. I must be prospering. Maybe, it's God's, de maybe God's definition is more like we read in 1 Corinthians 15 where it says, Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It, it, if we're laboring for the Lord, it may not look like we're prosperous. But... It is not in vain. If my business fails, if my health fails, if we live paycheck to paycheck, but we're abiding in Christ and we're witnessing to those around us and we're sharing our things and we're, we're helping the needy whenever we see them, the, may, the world may call us unsuccessful, but in God's economy, we have prospered. He views everything differently than the world views them. Think of the lady that went to give her offering. And she dropped in two pennies, clink, clink. And he told us, hey, she gave more than all the rest. They're like, what? No way. They were dumping bags of coins in there, and she just had two. But in God's economy, it's different. Youth. What might that look like for you all? 
Maybe you don't have the latest fashions. Maybe your car is a little bit on the older side. But that shouldn't be the tool that we use to measure whether or not you're prosperous. But rather, what's happening on the inside, behind the scenes, are you growing in God? Are you reading God's Word? Are you meditating? Are you memorizing God's Word? Are you willing to sacrifice for someone else because you love like God wants you to love? Does the thought of serving God somewhere, anywhere, thrill you? Like, I'm, I'd be willing to do that. God is using you. And if being a Christian isn't a drag, then our leaves don't wither. Then you're prospering in ways that others may not understand. We can be fruitful people. We can be a delight to be around because God is making us fruitful. And you can be that kind of person. We don't have to be the kind of person that people don't want to be around because they just drain us. Have you ever been around a person like that? You don't have to be those kinds of people. In God's economy, there need to be people that are drainers so we can serve them, right? <laughs> Maybe. But we shouldn't be one of them. We should be givers. We should be fillers. And we become fillers by following the text we have before us this morning. Your life can completely change if you delight in God's Word. Meditate on it. Memorize it. He delights in the law of the Lord. In his law does he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's what God has for us in his economy. Let's, let's stand for prayer. Lord, we may not fully understand the hows and the whys. Things happen to us. But it is clear that your desire is to cause us to be prosperous, to be prosperous and to be fruitful. And that may not look anything like what the world sees as prosperous or fruitful or successful. But God, that doesn't matter because living for you and serving you, ultimately, when you split that eastern sky and you come back to redeem your own, then is when it will matter how we have lived and what successful was in your economy. And that's what we want to be as your people. Help us, God, to take the time to hear you, to read your word, to meditate on it, so that you can cause us to be a people that are fruitful. Pray this in God's name. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.